I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. As a makeup artist, photographer, and entrepreneur, Danessa Myricks has mastered the perfect beauty application and image and made a name for herself as one of the most creative in our makeup industry. With the creation of her line, Danessa Myricks Beauty, her unconventional products were for the unconventional and striking makeup. Her career started as a sales and marketing director for a company that published hair magazines. Through a series of events, Myrick saw that she had the opportunity to follow her real passion and became what she describes as an accidental makeup artist. Danessa's artistic expertise and drive enabled opportunities to work on the faces for numerous celebrity products and entertainers, from music to film, and her approach to beauty ignited the desires to co-create with global beauty brands like Kiss, Benefit Cosmetics, and Limelight by Alcone. Myrix went on to work with and co-create with global beauty brands like Kiss and Benefit Cosmetics and continues to consult for beauty brands globally. Myrix is a published author, teacher, and founder of one of the most exciting cosmetic brands to hit the industry in decades. Danessa Myricks Beauty is a global beauty brand and coveted by makeup artists and consumers alike and available at top retailers like Sephora and direct to consumer from DanessaMyricksBeauty.com. Danessa, welcome in my chair. Hi, thank Hi. you so much for having me. Um, I'm so, super excited. Me too. Um, you know, I was just at the makeup show and I saw your booth at the makeup show and it was like, a beehive of swarming <laughs> bees. bees. It, I've never seen anything like it. Like you, it, it was almost anxiety inducing to try to get to the front and try and like play with the products and see them all. And there was a buzz about it. And there you were not in the front on a, on a pedestal, but you were like behind the counter working on a photo shoot, doing makeup and like busy bee, you know? And I was like, wow, she is still, just like in her element working away how important is the kind of day-to-day work to get a brand like yours going and off the ground wow that's a big question well i first have to say i still have chills from that experience at the makeup show i still like every day to be honest wake up pinching myself like i can't even believe that i'm here wow because in my mind it's literally, I, I still feel like I'm just getting started. And, and that's the honest truth. Um, it literally feels like I just started yesterday. And it also feels like there's so much more work to do. Um, I, it's, it's just an incredible blessing for me. As hard as it is um, to be doing what I'm doing um, and juggling all of these hats, I love every second of it. And that time at the makeup show, it just really reminded me why I'm doing what I do and who I'm doing it for um, and and why continuing doing it is super important as well. It's, it, it's really hard to unpack because there's a lot there, but um, this is what wakes me up in the morning. Um, I'm very, very much involved in every aspect of the business. It was, the bottom line is I'm still an artist. And what fascinates me, what excites me is just being able to create on every level. Um, I'm creating this like beautiful team that I'm so proud of. Uh, 
And that makes me excited every day. Um, creating as an artist makes me excited every day. Um, and then reimagining like the landscape of what beauty can look like is super exciting for me as well. Um, being able to tell stories um, about and for people who um, there has not been enough conversation for excites me. It's like, uh, I don't even know where to begin. And I have no idea when this could ever stop because there's so much to do. Wow. But it didn't start overnight. Like, how long have you been, um, just in terms of the brand, how long has this uh, journey been so far? I love that you asked that because there's so many people who are like, wow, this brand new, this is overnight success. <laughs> right. Literally, this started like over 20 years ago. Uh, I was making wow. my first products in my basement in, in like the early 2000s. Um, so it's been a super long journey. I mean, because so much, all of this is actually new to me. It's not like I... I started my my journey as an adult, like leaning into beauty in any way. I was like the exact opposite. So my indulgence in the world of beauty didn't start until I was 30. So uh, it's been a ride. I'm, I'm going to be 52 this year. So we're, we're 22 years in. Um, uh, so definitely not overnight. It, I, I always uh, like to talk about my career and, and even the brand, like that, the little engine that could, there's, there's never been like these big giant moments that happen for me or the brand. It literally has been like slow and steady wins the race, and, which I think is, which is great. And are I, you, I, you're I, a Taurus, right? <laughs> I'm a tortoise. Oh. I'm a Virgo, but I'm oh, a tortoise. Okay. I, was gonna say, so I'm so, I thought you were a Taurus. I was like, that's so very Taurus of you. Um, so you don't feel like you had um, any like big break moment that it's been all these just kind of, you know, the little engine that could. Yeah, for sure. A little engine that could. And that's why, you know, you, you mentioned that I was like, like in it with, with everyone at the show. I, I, I I will always remain that way because honestly this brand exists because of the community. It there are people who who came to that booth who knew me when I was teaching makeup classes at the Bronner Brothers hair show back in the early 2000s. Like wow. I, I literally get emotional thinking about it because they they've seen like they've seen me from the very beginning. There are people who came to the booth at the makeup show like I remember back in 2006 where you had like a half of a booth like and I literally had like the tiniest space available at the makeup show back in 2006 and so they've seen the progression and they've been a part of it like they they bought like the glitters from way back when or the dvds from way back when and are still like riding with me you know as I'm creating on a different level so let's um, take it back to the yeah. beginning actually okay. so you're okay. from Queens Yes, I okay. grew up in Queen, Queens Village, New York. And what um, was that? What was that like? Like, how would you kind of describe what your childhood was like? Um, very interesting. You know, I didn't realize that I was poor until <laughs> until somebody told me I was because my childhood was very rich, full of love. My parents were um, hard workers. I was a latchkey child. I have nine brothers and sisters, and all wow. I know is working and 
working. <laughs> right. You know, I don't I don't know anything different, I think. But, you know, what's interesting is that although my parents both like literally felt like they worked 24 hours a day, our lives really felt full. Um, we were always going to like museums and and um, getting like the water painting kits, you know, to play with or making things like oh, while all our friends were like getting doll houses, like for the holidays, like we were making doll houses and train sets and skates, like with stuff we had in the house. Like, um, are you really close to your siblings still? I mean, yeah, we're all doing very different things. Like I'm the only one, um, who's like in the world of beauty. Um, mm-hmm. and we're all like, you know, spread out, but there's still like an abundance of love, like for sure. You grew up in New York, and then did you stay in New York as a as a young adult? So uh, most of my um, adult life has been in New York, but you know, I went through a a period, a phase in my life. I'll say, like in my between the ages of twenty and thirty, where I was really just trying to discover who I was, and I knew that I wanted to. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I always knew that I was supposed to be doing something bigger. Like I always knew that there was like an impact that I was supposed to have on the world. I didn't know what it was. I used to have this reoccurring dream of me like walking in like what felt like a desert, but with like thousands of people behind me. Um, and I was leading them to somewhere. Like literally, this is a reoccurring gene that I would have like much of my um, teenage years. And so it was always inside of me that I was supposed to be leading something or or creating something or bridging a gap somehow. It like always has been inside of me, but I didn't know what it was. And, you know, my parents were very much of the school of like, you know, like most traditional parents, um, like we really need for you to graduate college and we really need for you to get a corporate job and we really need for you to get a pension. So although is that I what you the, did? Uh, no. Well, Initially? I started on that path. I started right. on that path. Like I was the first, you know, in my immediate family to to graduate from college and the first to get like um, a corporate job. But it, it didn't feel <laughs> it just it didn't fit. Right. Like it felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do, but it didn't feel like it fit. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I tried everything. I was doing a lot of network marketing um, and I tried to make every job that I had feel entrepreneurial. I was always like pushing to make that job do something more than what it was doing. And it wasn't until... Um, I joined that publishing company um, and they closed that I was like, okay, well now it's not about a job um, trying to create a job into something more entrepreneurial. It's like, here's an opportunity for you actually to put your, you know, to to do the thing. Um, And beauty just happened to be the space that I was in. And that's why I always refer to myself as like a, a uh, accidental makeup artist because I literally just filled the space that I was in at the moment, but I was really enamored by what I was seeing and just, you know, you know, the energy that makeup artists and photographers bring, like, it's just different. Um, But like, if you were working in, in a field that had to do with science, you could be 
working at NASA or yeah, building a spaceship, <laughs> right? You're just one of those yeah. people who right. are like, you're, I think you're a jack of all trades. I mean, you're this person I look at that not a lot of people we work with could survive in corporate America. They just, sometimes I wonder how they even found the call sheet and where to show up for work. You, know, like, <laughs> you could not do that job, but you, you did it. Yeah, and now you're it, doing, you know, you're an artist, you're doing mm-hmm. photography, you're starting mm-hmm. a brand. Are you just naturally kind of, you can say it, it's just between us, no one's listening. Um, are you <laughs> just so naturally funny. a very gifted person? I, I don't know if I would say I'm very gifted. I, I just always wanted more. And I've always, I've always dreamed big. Um so really the difference between you and somebody who's working for somebody else's brand at a counter is that you just demanded and wanted more for yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I wanted more for myself and I wanted more for, you know, one of the biggest things that has been driving me for these past uh, 20 years is just changing the trajectory of my family, my family name. I wanted to, I've always been thinking about legacy building. You know, mm. I think about my father who like literally, and I know probably a lot of people say this about their parents, but I really do believe that he was the hardest working human I've ever seen in my life. I've only always seen him working and I've only always seen him recreate who he was um, because of circumstance. Um, I remember my father telling me stories about him at an early age, not being, you know, there was a choice, him or his brother going to school. And so they chose his brother to go to school and for him to work in the fields because his brother was more fair and and he was darker. And, you know, that's a, a whole story into itself. And then him- Wow. Um, I mean, that's not kid. even that long ago. I mean, that, if you're 50, your dad was probably in his 80s or, mm-hmm. you know, what? yeah. To think and about, so- people think that that would have been like such a long time ago mm-hmm. that those conversations would happen, but it's really like, yeah, no. Right. Um, Sorry, go on. No, it's okay. I don't want to get emotional about that whole, um, <laughs> I don't, yeah. But um, he made his way to New York and, you know, his dream was like, you know, not to, to be a farmer. He wanted to be in business. He wanted to be in corporate and he worked um, to retirement age. Um, and then that was taken away from him when the company that he worked for so many years closed. And so here he was like at retirement age, having to start all over again from scratch. And that's when he um, leaned into being an entrepreneur. He owned a cleaning business um, until the day that he died, um, cleaning offices and cleaning houses. And um, I watched him create the life that we had for ourselves. I mean, we lived in a middle class uh neighborhood, even though we were super poor, we owned a home. Like it was all those things. And I I really marvel at his ability to create that for us without having a formal education. Um, Mm. I I remember um, working with my father on his reading because he wanted to be able to, you know, do better with Bible study and, you know, reading um, in church. And so I just think about when I think about what he had to do and um, how hard it was to get the family and the family name to where he left it. um, 
I don't want future generations to have to do that. I want to be able to tell a new story. I want him to have passed a baton uh, to me to, to build something bigger. Right. And that's why I've always believed that it wasn't, you know, maybe what I'm put on this earth to do is beyond makeup. Maybe this is a vessel for something bigger. But I, I've always known and my parents have always just made that clear to me that I'm here for something more. Um, and so do you think you know, that's why you had the confidence to do everything that you've done? I think so, because I've been scared to death all the way through it. But <laughs> there's always been something inside of me um, that made me feel like it was OK and it was possible. What do you do when you're scared to death? Oh, my goodness. What do I do when I'm scared to death? Because obviously, I, like you were you push through it. But like, do yeah. you have a, a do you have a process that you go through when you're faced with, you know, fear? Yeah, cry, feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, that's all we can do, right? And I think um, a lot of what I do on a daily basis is I, I spend a lot of time working on my mental, um, just as much as I spend, like, you know, being better at this job that I do, um, because it really is all about our hearts and our heads, right? So, like, the meditation um, is a big part of it. Um, being still is a big part of it. You know, being healthy um, is a big part of it. I mean, because really it all is just like our belief system and just it's it's everything is possible for any one of us. Right. It's just really, you know, what we believe is possible for ourselves. And that's all like mind work. Right. And it's all like heart work. My heart will never let me stop um, that. I know for sure. Um uh, but my head could get in the way. So I spent a lot of time like there. Did you ever give up? Yeah, but just, I never stopped. I've given up many times, but I never stopped. <laughs> I just eventually got back up again and, and um, kept going. You know, I think we've all have those moments where we just feel like we just can't take another step or it's not possible. But I, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I have, um, history to look to to know that it is possible if that makes sense and the history is what and the history is just um the closest to me obviously would be this the my parents mm. but then the everything that's come before that you know just as a race you know right it's never been as easy as it is right now is it still difficult to be, I'll, I'll make it more specific. Is it still difficult to be a black entrepreneur in business? Absolutely. Without question, without question. And then even more difficult to be a, a, a black woman entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's so many levels to it, but again, I will say it's never been e as easy as it is right now. So there's no excuse I'm going to continue to to push and to move forward. Why is it important to you? It says in your headline banner on your um, website, self-taught makeup artist, photographer, entrepreneur, founder, mother, black woman. Why is it important for you to include black woman in your kind of um, message to the world? Well, I feel like 
just in anything, oftentimes we have to see it to know that we can be it. And above anything else, I want to be an example. And what Mm. I know for sure is when I'm at a show or a class, the one thing that's consistent always is someone who looks like me saying, you know, thank you for showing me that it's possible. And I know that I'm going to be an image of possibility for someone else. um, And that's important to me. And so just putting those words, there are people who will never see me physically, but I want them to know that it's possible for them. And if you're a woman, if you're a black woman, if you're a black female entrepreneur, I want you to see the possibility. How do you know that it's possible? Because I see it. Right. And also, you know, my father shows me that it's possible. My mother shows me that it's possible. And just every day there's someone else showing me that it's possible. So um, but this is not enough. Right. Which is why I take um, what I do very, very seriously in terms of mentorship, in terms of the people that I hire, the people that I, you know, develop. Like all of that is super important because I need for more people to see that is possible. I wanted to ask you about, because I don't, about working in corporate America. So I assume Mm -hmm. that you worked in both corporate America and then you worked in a black publication for hair care. So did Mm -hmm. you have an experience of working in kind of, for lack of a better word, white corporate America and black corporate America? And were there, were there benefits or disadvantages to both? Well, I think, you know, my experience working as a pub- at that publishing company, I mean, it was beautiful in that um, the it was owned by a black male. He was, a, you know, a black entrepreneur. So I was able to, to watch that at work. But at the same time, I, I saw all of the limitations that came with that as well. Um, I, th- I think it's important for everyone to be able to create for people who look like them. And it's, it's this power in that. Um, I think the difference um, working in a quote unquote white corporate America um, is when you go from being of the majority to of the minority and you see like the shift in perspective and you see the lack of understanding and there's no right or wrong. It's just, you know, it's just different. Right. And so my sense of responsibility is different in both Um, in my experience working in corporate you just, you see what, when looking from the inside out, you understand like how much more work needs to be done. I would say mm-hmm. that. I, did you feel like you could bring more of yourself to work when you worked at a black owned company? Cause I've, I've been in rooms before, um, you know, many times in life where I'm the white person, everyone else is black. There's a different celebration or frequent. I don't know what it is. There's a different um, mood maybe in the room when you can be, everyone can kind of be themselves and not being like the, the one person who's, you know, not the majority in the room. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I feel like it's really just beyond race. I just like people like, like people who are like them, right? And it can be um, not, it's not just from a racial standpoint, just from ideas, from perspective, you know, on on many levels. 
So it's like, you know, whenever there's sameness, there's more, it, it's, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but what I've learned is to just be able to enjoy the beauty in all of it, the sameness and the differences. Right. Because I think it's even more beautiful when you can come be completely different and come together. Right. So I think it's just, uh, it's just different. So now that you have your own brand, how, how does the racism show itself in this way? Because you look like this powerful entrepreneur, brand owner. I mean, you're the boss. Like, how would that, um, how would you experience it in your life now? Well, I think it's just, it's, it's not just related to business. It's just people. And as, uh-huh. as it's evident, especially in the United States, there's a very clear divide. There's two very clear different um, perspectives. Um, I think in the last uh, election, it, the last couple of elections, it was pretty clear, like, what the landscape looks and feels like these last few years have told that story. So I don't think it's limited to just my corporate life. It's just America. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. There's, it was almost, I think it's always been there. I don't think it's new at all. And we know that it no, has from history. Yeah. I just think that the lid is off of the, you know, off of the can now. And it's like, it's now okay to show, you know, all, all of the stuff that we knew was there, which I don't know if that's better or worse. It's like almost, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this brand that you created because I honestly, I think I said to you at the makeup show, I was like, you're going to be a billionaire. I mean, I have not heard makeup artists talk about a brand in the last decade or so, the way that they speak about yours. Wow. Except you're doing it is. And that's, I mean, it's like every makeup artist knows about your brand, but you didn't come out with 17 shades of camel and pebble eyeshadow. You came out with these like, you know, dynamic and kind of, you know, in your face products that um, not might not necessarily be um, understood by a consumer. How did you, pitch that or formulate that when you're trying, when you're saying here, I'm coming out with this brand and everybody's going to need this, you know, glitter eye cream mix kind of product. Right. I think for me, um, I had the privilege to spend a lot of years telling other people's story and sharing other people's perspective on how they saw beauty but I really didn't have the opportunity to really lean into to mine. And so much of what I create now um, goes back to how I started as an artist, how I learned to do makeup, what my experience um, was as a makeup artist. Um, And it leans very much into possibility just as a whole and freedom you know, when I first started, I had no money. I would go to the drugstore, buy 99 cents pencils and melt them down to use them on different areas of the face. And I, I would take a cream product and use it for everything. It's just how I came up in makeup because it's how I learned. It's how I learned how to play. 
And I don't know any different than that. So as I'm creating for others and they're like, this is an eyeshadow, this is a blush, this is like, I can't, honestly, that doesn't even compute for me. I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to make things more than, than what it is. I can always see more possibility. I just think that's just a part of just me. And so when it came time for me to create something, I didn't want to create another version of somebody else's story. I wanted to tell mine. And I, I really think about makeup as this playground of texture and color, because essentially that's what it is. And we have all these amazing artists around the world who use these two things, color and texture, and and tell their own story and how they see beauty. Were you ever advised against that, that people oh, would say, well, that's course. not going to sell and nobody's going to know how to use it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything that I make, <laughs> everything <laughs> that I make. But, you know, I... I I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur to to just act like I'm working a job, right? I'm here. I'm I'm not looking for what people are telling me to do. I'm leaning into like what I see and what I want to create. So, but at the same time, you're self-funded and you're using your yeah. hard-earned money and you have a family. And so would how are you able to go okay, like I've got X amount of money and I'm going to do something so out there and really put my shoulder behind it. It's so interesting because for me, I feel that this the perspective that I have is much more practical. As an example, one of the, um, the first products that I created was Color Fix. Um, and it's actually the first product that we won a Best in Beauty Award for. And for me, having this one thing that can do a million things is super practical. I'm like, well, how can somebody not want this? Like right. one thing for $18 can, it could be your eyeliner. It could be your mascara. It could be your eyeshadow. It could be your cheek color. It could be like, like for me, like it was the best thing going, <laughs> you know, from my perspective. So for me, it was being safe. It's like, instead of making 10 things, I'm going to make one thing that can do 10 things. So I can't miss How did you get that one thing made? Like, did you just knock on the door of a lab and say, hey, I've got this idea and you're going to take me seriously? Yeah, pretty much. And it was really, really hard because no one takes like a makeup artist who has no history um, in uh, really selling products or who doesn't exist in any store and who's not doing like celebrity clients seriously. So what did you do? (laughs) Right. So how did you get that done? And just one day at a time, one phone call at a time. And, and then eventually you find like a small uh, lab who's like, okay, I'll do it. And then, you know, you make small runs and I'm just finding the packaging myself and just, you know, talking to chemists myself. It's just harder and slower and you make a lot more mistakes. <laughs> right. Did you have to fundraise money? No, um, I really didn't have anyone to fundraise from, uh-huh. you know, It was just really just me. And so how I fundraise is consulting and working. So I just worked every day as a makeup artist and I consulted for other brands and I would take that and roll it right back into the creation of mine. That's pretty much, I worked as a makeup artist to fund my brand. And how long did it take you to actually have the brand be able to be self-sufficient where you didn't have to take other jobs to put into the brand? How about uh, just a few years ago? (laughs) Really? Yeah, absolutely. 
You know, I mean, it's so different what things look like from the out. That's part of the reason I wanted to do course. this podcast is because I look yeah. at it and I'm like, wow, she has this thriving brand. And I'm just thinking you must have been like making so much dough right out of the gate. And of course, it's like such a different reality. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, as you grow, it, it's more expensive, right? And because I'm self-funded, I'm literally just recycling. So the business... has been profitable for a long time, but those profits go right back into the business. It doesn't go into Danessa Mark's pocket. It goes into making new formulas and making new products and expanding into other um, countries. And you know what I mean? So you don't see it like, you know, the bank account can go from a million dollars to negative a hundred dollars, like in a few days. Um, And I think a lot of people are not aware of that reality. So, um, what did you have to learn the most to become oh, wow. an entrepreneur? Like, was the money part of it harder for you or? Yeah. You know, I, I find I'm very resourceful and scrappy. I will say that, but I, I also lean more into my gut and creativity. Right. And I am not really interested in math, but at a certain point you very, you need to be very familiar with numbers and you need to know your math. And so um, that's why in uh the end of uh, 2019, um, a longtime accountant of mine and a very good friend. Uh, basically, this was my accountant when I first started my first like LLC way back in the day. I asked him to come on board because I didn't want to take away from my creative energy and I didn't want to make decisions based on money because um, those are usually not the best decisions. I wanted to really make decisions about product based on really good ideas and like the best formulas possible and the best packaging possible. So I leaned in, I asked for help. Um, and so that, I think that was a big difference for me in terms of how we were able to transition from 2019 until today. Was it hard to let go of all of the control? Well, I'm still in full control. (laughs) I mean, like, but to ask for help, to not be doing every single thing yourself, or it was just a relief not to have to do it? Yeah, it was a relief not to have to think about that part. So I will gladly give that part away every day of the week. (laughs) Right. Do you think (laughs) it's super important to know what you're not good at? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I learn that more and more every day. Um, as an example, as I built my team, like I literally in the beginning had to learn every software myself, learn Photoshop, learn Illustrator, learn how to make an ad, learn how like, but those aren't my strengths. And I, I see the difference in the growth of the brand when I now have somebody on my team that I can rely on to like tell my story visually, um, of the brand, but not having to do it myself because expertise is not there. And that's in every area. There's always right. someone better and, and and things grow a lot faster and develop a lot faster when you lean into you know, like the talents of the people around you. Do you feel like you have to be the best? Mm, that's a, that's a interesting question. Um, I want to be, I want to be the best representation of a female black entrepreneur and creator in the beauty space. And so that's always like the goal. Mm-hmm. I know it's not a reality that I will always be the best, but I want it to be the goal. 
Are I you a perfectionist? I wanted to be the aspiration. Yes, I'm a Virgo in every sense of the word. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you un? How do you um un- get unstuck within that perfectionism trap? Mm. I think just pausing and realizing that I was still able to move forward, making tons of mistakes, so that the it's pretty clear that it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Um, and I am able to release that. I mean, it wasn't even until recently that like things that are still very uncomfortable for me, is like presenting, like I get opportunities to go on TV to do a thing or whatever. And I'm constantly saying no, because it's so uncomfortable for me is it's unnatural. Um, and if I can't be perfect at it, I don't want to do it, but I'm slowly, uh, getting better. Like just recently I started doing more lives on social and, and showing up in stories like with my face, um, because I'm getting better at knowing that it's not about perfection. It's about being present. Right. So I'm just really working on being more present and then we'll tackle perfection <laughs> later. I think that part of what you do that's so amazing beyond the the actual like physicality of a brand is that your marketing and the way that you photograph things and present yourself is so of the moment. And thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you do you think of your do you think of all of the marketing strategies for your brand? Yeah, and for me, it's not really a marketing strategy. It's just literally just telling my story. It's and really leaning into what it is that I want to see, what I've always wanted to see, and listening to the community of people who who uh, are using the products and understanding who they are. And I want them to be seen too. So it's really quite natural. It's not like a calculated thing. But you learned photography to be able to show your work. Is that right? Yeah. So oddly enough, um, I spent a, a five years um, with Benefit Cosmetics. Um, I was a director of product innovation there and launched the brow collection. And so I lived in San Francisco at that time. And so um, I wasn't doing makeup every day. Obviously, I was working uh, corporately. And when I decided to come back to New York to really just lean into creating uh, for myself, I I realized that I wasn't a good makeup artist anymore. <laughs> there oh. was a lot of work that needed to be done. Like I was very like rusty and a lot of the products that I used to use didn't exist anymore. They've been reformulated. I, I really didn't have like a kit. And I, uh, my photography really started because I, I wanted to see what my work looked like on camera before I went back to photographers and asked people to like hire me again. And it was through that, that I, really leaned into what I like everything happened at that point. I was like, well, first I'm not so great. And then I was like, well, what is it that I want to see? And I was like, well, really, I want a product that does this or, you know, the products that I have don't do this thing or make the skin glow or whatever. And that's really where I started developing the brand it through looking at my work through a camera lens. And so it all kind of all happened at the same time. And so I'm very grateful that I sucked for a minute and needed to uh, to brush up on my skills because it allowed me to lean into this whole new form of artistry. And now, like, I can't even think about doing makeup without taking a photo or vice versa. Like, it's it's it, given it's you just, a new perspective on exactly, the same old thing. Exactly. Do you think your brand would have been 
as successful, let's say, 10 years ago before social media? Or how much has social media played into the success of your brand? I mean, it's been a huge uh, part of the success in the brand because when I first got it started, it didn't exist, right? Like Instagram didn't start until like what, 2011 or 2012 or something like that. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I, prior to that, like if your name wasn't in a magazine or you weren't standing on a stage, like no one would know who you were. And I remember like my first invitation to do like a masterclass came from uh, some images that I was posting on Instagram. And it was like a, a small town, Vladivostok in, in, in uh, Russia. Like what, how wow. would they have ever known who I was? Like if it were not for Instagram. And as a matter of fact, the, gr- the brand itself grew more globally than it did domestically initially, because I was being, um, I was just really fortunate and blessed to be invited. Like, all over the world, every continent to teach. And none of that would have been possible if it were not for Instagram, because I would have never seen or had an exchange with any of these people and they would have never seen my work. So to answer your question, yeah, there probably would not be a Danessa Marks Beauty brand if it were not for social media. Wow. And then, so what part of it do you also think, is there any part of social media that you don't like? Well, I think, you know, uh, that's a tricky question because I think in any media, there's going to be something that you don't like. I'll tell you what I do like. I do like the fact that to date, our brand has not spent one penny on advertising. It's all just been this organic growth from people loving and sharing um, and having the opportunity to use tools that are free to grow my business. Um, Wow. But uh, I would say what I what I don't like is that it's, it's harder to control, um, the energy, <laughs> um, for lack of a better word, you know, in social, um, because there's always going to be, um, people who are leaning into negativity. Um, at the same time you're leaning into positivity, right? So, you know, you, you, you can't like block invitations to your world. Um, so you kind of have to take the good with the bad. Um, what would that be like someone commenting something like unnecessarily negative? Yeah. And, you know, I don't even mind a comment, like, I don't like your work, but what I do mind is like references to somebody's race or, um, something that they may feel is not perfect or someone defining someone's beauty, um, in a way that's negative or, um, you're just being nasty for the sake of being nasty right. or showing, you know, or the, the whole, the, the, the racial comments really, uh, those I think are the most um, painful. Um, I don't know. And this is like, I'm just being honest. I don't know about that. Like people, people leave like just racist comments under your post because yeah, or try doing yeah, or just try being doing a live and just see like the craziness that comes in. But I think everybody experiences that. But right. you know, one thing one thing I think is really unique is that you know, over time, people if I don't lean into that, it keeps like the conversation 
um, more pure. I have to say, I'm very grateful that, you know, the world of Danessa Marks Beauty is uh, pretty much a positive one. The comments are, for the most part, like um, overwhelmingly supportive, loving. Um, That's the reactions that I lean into. Those are the only ones that I see, to be quite honest. (laughs) Um, That's the only ones that I'm looking for. Do you have a trick for not going down that rabbit hole? Because sometimes I get upset and I'm thinking about it for the rest of the day. And it's like, well, the other asshole is over it. I'm just the one holding on to it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, there's no trick. Sometimes the trick is just to put your phone down, to be honest. Because, you know, those things, it, it's very interesting. And I think it's human nature. Like, a, a, you could see a hundred amazing comments in that one that one just sets your whole day off. And you forget about the other hundred but I just literally just have to learn to put my phone down. And honestly, one of the tricks that I've learned um, is to write down things that you're grateful for. And I know it seems like mm. really odd, but gratitude cures all. Um, or I'll for if there's a negative comment or somebody says something really negative and it upsets me. I mean, I do have to take a breath sometimes, put the phone down, but I will try and counteract it by saying 10 nice things on social. So I will go to just 10 random pages and you leave a beautiful comment. It's like be the change you want to see in the world. Right. So I just kind of lean into that philosophy just to kind of undo the damage that was done. Did you get to this more enlightened place because it came out of something hard, like a, like trauma or are you just like, you know, naturally kind of, uh, elevated human being. (laughs) I will not uh, take credit for that. No, I just think that, um, I mean, what is the option? To be mean and nasty and hate everyone and bitter. (laughs) I mean, it's right. That's the truth is that that option is always right there available just as much as, the other right yeah but i feel like it's, like it's never been an option for me I, i've never learned that it's not what i grew up with and it doesn't end well ever mm-hmm. um yeah. you've never wanted to just like you know like get somebody back i mean i, I mean you know what sure, i mean like someone for, does you wrong and you're like i'm gonna fuck you up somehow <laughs> Right. I've never executed. I've never executed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just about the brand, why why do you think your brand works? Why is it such a buzz? Why is everybody swarming around your brand at the makeup show? I don't honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, that's something I would love to ask the audience, but I think for me, maybe if I had to say, I would just say that it's different. Like one of the the um, one of the ideas that I lean into all the time, and it's like the baseline of this brand, is that if it's already been done, I'm not doing it, mm. right? I, I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I want to be able to move the conversation forward, right? The whole idea was to tell new stories, right? So I think people have come to learn that if I am going to launch something one, it's going to work because the makeup artist in me and the professional in me and the Virgo in me is not going to just create for the sake of creating. So it's going to be very eff- efficacious and it's going to perform. 
And then two, it's going to be different. It's going to be unique. It's going to be a new experience. It's going to be a new idea. And I think that's been um, the story of the brand from day one. So there's a lot of curiosity. I think you've done a, a great job of that. It shows. I mean, I, you, if you look at the products you. that you're offering, it's not just another, you know, run-of-the-mill contour product in a palette. Oh, thank you. I you appreciate know. that. Do you think that – I think that all of us have been fed a kind of aesthetic of what's beautiful and still mm-hmm. are. And ha- there's yeah. a kind of undoing of going, well, wow, I, this is the ideal um, – shape of a nose this is the ideal jawline of a, of a man this is like you know what beautiful hair looks like how do you how do you re kind of evaluate what is beautiful well i think wow that's a big question so i will say what i the space that i create from is thinking about my journey just as um, a woman um, and how many times I was told that I wasn't beautiful. And even if somebody was telling me I was beautiful, I didn't see a reflection of myself um, to support that. Mm. So I think about that all the time. Like I'm a mom. So I think about my children. I think about other people's children. I just think about the human experience and we all need to feel like we belong to something, right? And that uh, we all need to feel special and wanted and celebrated. And so I keep that in mind as I create and I I keep that in mind as I, you know, express the idea of the brand, like through imagery and through conversations. Um, I just keep it on a human level, if that makes sense. Um, and and it's, it is it is going to take a lot of unlearning. I think for the longest time, I didn't think that I was beautiful. And I still struggle with that because it's really hard to undo all of that. I just don't want to continue that conversation for myself or for anyone else. And so I just really lean into doing my part into sharing the idea that there's beauty in all of us. And I really do believe that. Um, And so I think I have a responsibility to be able to tell that story. Right. And we do it through images. We do it through like the shades that we create. We do it through the stories that we tell and how to use makeup. We just, it's really just about allowing everyone to see themselves and I know those words are kind of like overused right now, but it really is the reality. It's like we need for we need for people to be able to see more of who they represent and how they take up space in the world. So yeah, why does it matter? Right. Why does representation really matter? I mean, for that reason. I mean, everybody <laughs> everybody deserves that right to see themselves. Like it's just a part of just who we are as humans, that idea of needing to belong, needing to feel important, um, needing to feel accepted. It's just human nature. And, and who, who gets to choose? Like one thing I've learned through all of my travels around the world is that 
what's considered beautiful in this space is completely different than what's considered beautiful in another space. So who's right? Right. Right. I get so, I get worried that now with social media sometimes that there's becoming a more limited um I in some ways it's more there's there's way more representation but then in other ways it's like um there's a, there's a certain aesthetic that you you see come up over and over again that's quite homogenous even though it might be with a bigger demographic of people. Yeah, and I feel that that's it that will always be because mm-hmm. there there are different types of people and there, there are people who want to shift conversations. There's people who want to just belong and be a part of a story. And then there's just like different tastes, <laughs> um, right. whatever it may be. The point is that they're all okay. They're all right. And they all should be allowed to show up and be seen. Right. We have a um, listener question from Aya Tariq MUA, and she wanted to ask about being a mom and freelancing. How do you do, how do you make that work? Yeah, that's a big question. And I get asked that a lot. And it's something that I struggled with um, for very much of my career, um, to be quite honest, because, you know, mom guilt is a real thing. Um, how so old are your things, kids? Oh, my kids now. My daughter's about to graduate college. She's turning 22 and my son is 28. Wow. OK. Yeah. So they're 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 big kids now. But you can imagine when I started, I had a newborn and and a six-year-old. So I'm very much aware of um, what a freelancing mom um, experiences, um, especially in the world of beauty. And I think, you know, obviously there are lots of sacrifices that I felt that I was making. Um, But I've come to learn that they're not really sacrifices, they're choices for bigger ideas, right? So I used to have so much guilt about traveling, um, so much guilt about not being present every day, like missing um, ball games or dance recitals. And I had to just remind myself that I wasn't doing it just for the sake of doing it, that there was purpose behind these choices. Um, and if I didn't make a lot of those choices, I wouldn't be able to provide in the way that I do today. Um, I think about as much as you think you may be taking away time, you're also um, giving them an example. So as much as I spent time away from my children in different um, touch points in my career, my children all want to be entrepreneurs. They both are like trying to find a ways that they can contribute to the world and to society. And they all feel that they, they both feel that they have the possibility to control um, the economics of their future. And they all, they both feel like they can create, they both feel like anything is possible in their worlds, which I think is really important. And, and would they feel the same way if I, didn't uh, take a chance on me, didn't decide to to leave like working a nine to five and create um, this business of mine. I don't know. So for every sacrifice, I don't like to think about sacrifice. I think parents, moms in particular, are making calculated choices mm. um, with, you know, a bigger, bigger um, result in mind. And I also, at uh, different parts of my career, realized that, you know what, waiting for the next phone call or even trying to create the next job 
is not always going to be enough for this moment right now. So there's many times in my career where I've done temp jobs where you see I took a big chunk out of my career to work um, at a benefit for five, six years. And that's like well into my um, career as a makeup artist. So a different touch, I think it's just to allow your, give yourself grace. Um, number one, and to know that we're, we're all doing things in the best interest of our children. And sometimes our choices may be different. Um, sometimes it, it's okay to have to take a job for a minute to get to the next, um, phase of your journey, like all of it's okay. It's really about the intention um, and the end goal. And as long as they're happy, um, it's okay. And the other thing that I learned is that the more I allow my children to participate um, in what I'm doing and to understand the why behind what I'm doing and the travel and the time, the easier it was for them to um, adjust and accept and oftentimes be like, you know what? And I remember um, very specifically, my daughter at one time was like, okay, I just want, uh, I just want to know, I have two very important dates. One, one is my prom, one is my graduation. And I don't expect for you to be at both. You know, can we talk about which one um, you can come to? And and I would just ask her like, which would you prefer? And if, and if you prefer that I'm at both and I'm not miss either one, I won't do that either. It's really a conversation. And I would tell them like the experiences that I've had when I traveled and who I met and how it made people feel. And, and it, it, it allowed them to just to understand the why behind what I was doing. And it wasn't just that I just wanted to go someplace. There was right. a reason behind it. And they became so much more excited about my trips. It, it, it became to like, okay, well, where are you going next? You know, make sure you bring me back the currency and bring me back something. It wasn't like, please don't go. So I think involving them as much as possible in um, the decision making and in the story of like what's happening while you're gone and in what you're creating. I let my kids name shades in the line, like as much as possible, um, allowing them to be a part of it um, helps a lot. That makes so much sense. You know, you bring them along on the journey and then people know yeah. why it's not just that you're being selfish or doing something that doesn't include them, that everybody's yeah. included in on it. I think that's really interesting. How do you support them now as they're like young adults? How do you support mm-hmm. them now, but not enable them or, or do things for them that, that they need to go through? You know, I'm sure there's a tendency to want to, to make their life as easy as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a difficult conversation for any parent, but, you know, I think what I do best is allowing them to to be themselves. You know, I don't tell them how they need to go through their life. I just help them make the choices, allow them to ask questions. I listen and I I I just really always lean into the idea that if that's what you want to do, it's possible. Now let's work together on how we can make that happen. I really try not to tell my kids what to do. And it's mm. really hard because I'm a Virgo and I want to control, especially I want to control my children. But I know um, how my life changed when I was allowed to just lean in and just be 
right? And so I really want them to have that same opportunity. You are like fearless in terms of stopping everything and pursuing your dream. You know, it's like to move to San Francisco, work for a new company, then to give it all up and all the security there and move back to New York and start all over. What advice do you have for me? Someone like me who <laughs> thinks about starting something else, you know, or, yeah. or but is scared to say, I have this position in my life. I have this, you know, I've worked so hard to get to where I am. I would be so dumb to um, try to add something else into it that could take it all away. Like, how do you, how do you, what advice would you have for, for following your dream? I think, you know, it's to really understand why um, you're doing it um, and to really believe in that why, because that why is going to need to be strong enough for you to make it through the obstacles that are going to come with this shift in this new journey. And, you know, one of the things that I do, and I do this with my children, and I do it with the people that I mentor, is ask that question, why? So if you want to start a brand, my first question is always why? And if it's just because I want to make money selling eyeshadows or I want to be famous or I want to be popular, then you could do that doing a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. And you it may, not, it may mean like, you know what, don't make this decision. This is not the best choice for you because that end result can come in a lot of different ways. But if somebody wants to change the world, if you're, if you're making a decision because you want to change the world or change, you know, history or just make a difference for your family or your children and that why is really strong, then then I would say, let's go for it. Let's just plan it in a way where that's planted in a way where you can be OK. Right. <laughs> let's just make good choices and be strategic about it. Um, but I think that why is the most important part of this whole conversation. And I think if my why wasn't strong enough throughout this journey, um, the, the brand wouldn't be where it is today because just because you're making a decision to, uh, that might change your life, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. <laughs> the decision right. might be easy, but the journey I can assure you probably won't be. So that, that why has to be really, really strong. And I don't know why I want to know this from you because I'm not religious at all. But do you think that you, well, A, do you have faith? And do you think that that faith has helped you to make those kind of decisions? Yeah, I think I'm not very religious, but I am very spiritual. Um, And I have a very strong belief. Um, Again, a lot of that came from my parents who are just, amazing in every way. Um, But I've always believed, like I literally have always believed, even in the worst um, of circumstances, that belief has always been there. Like I've always believed that I was meant to do more and that more was possible. And I think that's just the fundamental, um, that that's just the baseline to it all. And I, I do believe that there is a power greater than us um, that we can tap into. So whether you call it God or whether you call it universe, wherever you call it source, whatever it is, 
there is something bigger than uh, ourselves. That How do you know that? It's just, you just know. I mean, you can't open your eyes. You can't wake up and not know that. You can't touch your body, look at your hands, look at your feet, look at the sky, look at nature and not know that. That right? goes back to the gratitude, right? Yeah. So. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Hmm. Trust your gut. And what's the worst piece of advice someone ever gave you? Mm. The worst piece of advice. Conform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a segment I call um, tried and true and something new. Do you have a okay. tried and true product that you swear by that you've used for, you know, ever? And then I'd like to know something new that ex that you're excited about. Hmm. I would say tried and true. Um, they both are kind of new, but I, I mean, I can never let go of them. I love Make It Forever Artist Pencils. Okay. Like I think those were designed for like artists and um, I'm obsessed with the Benefit Brow Collection. Not because I created it but they're tried and true they I can mean, you explain both of them to me because the artist pencils are are like um eyeliners or yeah they're like um they're it's almost as if you were a, a child again working with like um uh colored pencils but they're okay. soft and beautiful and buttery and you can blend them and smolder with them I, I feel like they're like an artist's dream um I think it's they're just really, really beautiful. Beautiful, like Danny Sands knew what she was doing when she uh, created those. You literally feel like an artist playing with those. There's there's a lot of possibility in those pencils. Um, and what about the benefit brow? Is it a a brow pencil or? Yeah, the the precisely my brow pencil. Like I have yet to find another pencil that I would replace those pencils with. Those are like. My tried and true, the only brow product in my kit, never leaving my kit, use it on everyone. Like, wow. Obsession. Yeah. And what is, do you have a favorite shade? Um, I love shade five because it's a little unusual. It's almost like a purpley brown, but it's beautiful on um, deeper skin tones, especially. And what's your favorite product from your brand? Personal favorite. Oh, Wow. You know, asking people to choose a child. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this: What is something? What is something that is really unusual from your brand that might that you might not even um, realize at first? You know, that's the kind of stuff I like. Where if if I was asking you to walk me through your brand, I'd be like, "What is the most unusual, weird, cool thing?" I think the most unusual, weird, cool thing was our newest launch, the um, bomb powder, because it's just. An opposite. It's like an oxymoron. It's like it's a bomb and it's a powder and it does all these amazing things. And it's it's like it's like it's like my color fix of our complexion. You know, color fix I would have said was the most unusual and strange, but the blurring bomb powder for me is like uh, this one and done complexion product. It's hard to understand it because it does so many things, but it does so many beautiful things in new and unique ways and. Oh, I've got to get it. Obsession. I've yeah. got to get it. I want I your entire you. line. I want your entire <laughs> line, by the way. All right, done, done. Send me an address. <laughs> Final question is, if you could go back in time and meet yourself mm -hmm. 
anywhere, where would it be and what would you say? Wow. At every point of my life, at every age, I would tell myself that you're beautiful and you're enough. Um, and if it was yesterday, I would say the same thing. <laughs> mm. um, you're beautiful and you're enough. Yeah. I like that. Um, quick game. Let's go for, I, I was inspired by you being a New Yorker. And I uh, hear it in your accent a little bit. Sometimes it would come out. New Yorkers don't have accents. It's everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out. It comes out. I forget a few words. I was like, oh, she's from Queens. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite thing about Queens, New York? Uh, my favorite thing about Queens, New York is um, I. Okay, so you know the LL song. Um, Standing on a bus stop, sucking on a lollipop. Once like all of the started, rap songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so much of what I remember, like all everything that's fascinating about hip hop happens in my early childhood. I mean, I used to hang out with uh, African Bambada, uh, Run DMC. Uh, they were just blocks away in Hollis, Queens. Like, you know, that LL Cool J and his his girlfriend riding the school bus would be. It's like there's so much history in Queens. It's so much history just in New York. Period in the hip hop culture that like you can't take back. Amazing. Favorite pizza in New York? Oh, I don't eat carbs, so I can't even tell you. <laughs> oh. Why don't you eat carbs? Um, have you seen my butt? Oh, okay. Just for, I was like, <laughs> come on. Everybody wants that booty. Um, all right. Well, what place do you take visitors from out of town? Mm, that's such a good question. I mean, always Central Park. I mean, there's just so much beauty in that park, so much conversation. Always to Harlem. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, where do you live now? Now I'm out in Long Island. I'm in Westbury, Long Island. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm a homebody. I'm a suburban at this point. Nice. You have a car. <laughs> yeah. The house. A, dri a driveway. <laughs> right. You got to plow that snow when it yes. when it snows. Yeah. All, all of the things. <laughs> What's the favorite place that you've traveled to for work? Mm. I love Korea. That was one of my favorites. Um, I loved, um, uh, when I went to my Nigeria, I like, I think I had the best time of my life there. I love Japan. Oh, wow. This is uh, Brazil was incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, the list goes on. I think there's something magical about everywhere on the planet. I think, um, the, the, from Latin America, I'm always getting like this, this real, um, immersion in color and texture like that blows me away when I go to Asia, just um, the details, the shapes, um, the new ideas. I, I, I love just being in that whole energy, the culture in Africa. Um, I mean, Africa is one of the on most on. beautiful places I've ever been. Like the I sunsets mean, in Africa are, are, no un words. are unlike anything I've anywhere I've ever been. Yeah, there's no words. So yeah. I mean, I mean, there's beauty everywhere. Can you say your least favorite place you travel to for work? Uh, maybe, 
No. (laughs) (laughs) You have one. You just won't say it. Okay. I respect that. (laughs) Um, People would be very surprised to know that I'm really into blank. Really into... Okay, people would be very surprised to know that... Oh, I'm really into fitness and health. Mm. Um, I'm really into, I'm obsessed with podcasts, especially podcasts relating to like, like uh, Jay Shetty's podcast is one of my favorites. I follow lots of doctors. I just love like learning about the human capacity. Wow. in, In every way. Yeah. Okay. People would be really surprised to know that I'm a really big fan of this musical artist. Ooh. Well, I think people would be really surprised to know that I used to be a, a backup singer for rap artists. What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what wait, what do you mean? That was another lifetime. <laughs> so like what what rap artists would need a vocalist? Oh, you never know. Back in the day when there was always like female harmonies. Um, mm-hmm. do you know Can, who song? did you sing backup oh, for? I don't know because I can't say because then people are going to start doing research. But let's just say <laughs> there was a lot of ooh ah, in my past. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, now I want to hear you sing. <laughs> no, that's the funny part. <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> oh, it was just for the looks? You were just and- like in. Yeah, in I the think background I, with the moves. I think, yeah, I was in the background and like I made, you know, things change as you get older, but those vocals no longer exist, trust me. That is so <laughs> funny. Um, this song always gets me on the dance floor. Oh, um Keep on moving, keep on moving, don't stop. Love. <laughs> Okay, we got a little little singing out of you. Like, what song is that? Oh no, I know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was like, yeah. Um, When I want to feel sexy or fly, I blank. Oh. Oh, why do you have all these hard questions? Um, when I want to feel sexy or fly, I. Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, man. And he stumped me on that one. Okay. <laughs> when all is said and done, I'd like to be remembered for blank. Um, when all is said and done, I'd like to be remembered for making a difference, for making people feel special, for making people feel seen. And showing people that, making people believe in possibility. I think you've already accomplished that. I love you. Thank you. No, you're amazing. And like, I, I'm going to leave this conversation feeling so inspired by you and try and remember what you said and also feeling like so defeated that I'm not like you. No, um, stop. You know, I'm like, fuck, she's so positive and can do it and take so many risks and does all these things with her life. And, um, you know, given everything that this world, like, throws at you, you still 
a positive, happy and successful person. And I think that, um, I think that you doing this for a bigger reason than just, you know, event your own vanity or bank account, it really comes through in what you do with the passion that you do it with. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It shows um, me I'm on the right track. You are on the right track. And I still say you're going to be a billionaire. I haven't seen From that your energy. mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, speaking with me. And um, I hope I get a lot more of you in my future. Yeah, thank you for this invitation. This was really fun and insightful and thoughtful. And you just made me feel so special. And I just really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. The hardest working woman in cosmetics. <laughs> You're so funny. Denise Myricks. I'll take it. <laughs> thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.